0: Thank you for tuning in to the Career Exploration Podcast, brought to you by Northeast Ohio Medical University's College of Pharmacy. You're listening to the Career Exploration Podcast for future and current pharmacists. We're glad you're here, and we're looking forward to introducing you to some of the many career paths available for pharmacists. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Career Exploration Podcast. In this episode, Kristen and I talked to Dr. Jessica Hoover from the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Hoover currently specializes as a pediatric solid organ transplant pharmacist focusing on caring for pediatric patients who have undergone an organ transplant, such as a kidney or a heart transplant. She talks to us about how proper management of the patient's medications post-transplant is extremely crucial to ensuring the patient's recovery goes smoothly. She also talked to us about some of the rewarding aspects of her job, as well as some of the challenging aspects of her job. Kristen and I definitely learned a lot from talking to Dr. Hoover, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know solid organ transplant could be a specialty for a pharmacist until recently. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation and who knows, Maybe this will be an area of pharmacy that you might want to pursue. Dr. Jessica Hoover is joining us today. Uh, Dr. Hoover graduated from Harrison School of Pharmacy at Auburn University in 2014. She went on to complete her PGY1 residency at Bronson Methodist Hospital in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and a PGY2 pediatric residency at Children's Memorial Herman Hospital in Houston, Texas. She is currently practicing as a pediatric solid organ transplant clinical specialist at Cleveland Clinic Children's. In addition to her patient care responsibilities, she also serves as a pediatric PGY2 residency program director and pediatric clinical coordinator. Dr. Hoover, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the podcast.
0: And so your career sounds amazing and I'm super fascinated by it. And I can't wait to learn uh, so much more about what it is that you do. Um, so since you graduated uh, from Auburn in 2014, I also graduated from Niamh in 2014. So Love this. That, right? Connections. Young. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> no, see, I feel old. Maybe
0: not. <laughs> well, my students now make me feel old. So I, I get it. Right. <laughs> get it. Uh, But so since you graduated in 2014, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today?
2: Yeah. So um, I, you know, kind of say that my career found me in a little bit of a different way. So when I was going through pharmacy school, you know, a lot of us have um, lots of options on what we want to do for our career, where we want to go. And I actually was really leaning towards retail for the majority of my, um, my kind of pharmacy career. So, you know, retail pharmacies, when you work kind of in an outpatient pharmacy and you're kind of dispensing scripts, people who are getting maybe discharged from the hospital, picking up their routine medications. Um, And I really enjoyed that. I liked being able to um, know my patients. I had the same people that would come back month after month. Um, But I ended up going to mid-year on a whim with a bunch of my um, pharmacy school friends. And mid-year is kind of our annual conference that we have um, where you can kind of explore different career options. Um, And it's really geared towards residency, which is kind of our training that you can do, optional training after um, pharmacy school. Um, I went with them mainly to go to Harry Potter world, um, <laughs> which, cause it was in Orlando. It's a nice perk. Right. Um, and they were giving us free to free admission, which I don't know how you pass that up. So, um, I ended up going with them and kind of falling in love with actually a program in Michigan, which is where I ended up matching. Um, and so, um, I ended up kind of shifting my career focus, um, and kind of went that route. Um, and so I ended up matching, which is basically kind of a, a program where you, um, kind of the, you pick a residency is kind of like speed dating. They pick you and then you kind of come together and maybe match kind of like a dating app. Right. Um, and so we, um, uh, I ended up matching there for my first year residency in in Kalamazoo, um, and kind of focusing a little bit on just, I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go, um, where I wanted to specialize, what maybe patient population, what patient group I was going to end up being with. And so, um, did that, but really fell in love with pediatrics that year. And so I ended up doing a second year training program down in Houston. Um, and then still pediatrics is really broad. It's a very broad specialty that you can kind of go into. Um, You can do, you know, ICU and kind of do more critical care. You can do more ambulatory care so you could take care of people, you know, in the clinics. Um, And so um, I ended up um, kind of thinking that I wanted to be an ICU pharmacist at that point. So I ended up getting a job at Um, Cleveland Clinic Children's, which is where I'm at now as an ICU pharmacist. Um, And then I was there for about a year and rounded on a lot of patients who needed transplants. So heart transplants, liver transplants, kidney transplants. And we also do a thing called multivisceral transplant, which is basically um, transplanting the bowel of a patient. So your small bowel, large um, intestine, things like that. Um, And kind of fell in love with that patient population. And that position opened up. And that's kind of where I am today. So never thought that that's where I was going to be. Thought I was going to be working at a retail pharmacy and ended up kind of going the opposite direction.
1: We've heard this over and over again, the importance of keeping the doors open and, and exploring opportunities. And it sounds like that's sort of the path that you took as well.
2: Yeah. And I think my first job at Cleveland Clinic Children's was kind of a, we call it a nursing unit based pharmacist model. And for those of you who are kind of unfamiliar with what that is, it's, it's kind of a, a hybrid model. Um, these are pharmacists who will round with a patient team. So they'll go and round on patients with the, you know, the doctors the dietitians, the social workers, um, but then they also kind of have what we call a staffing component. And that is where they actually are in the pharmacy that is in um, the hospital and they are actually preparing and dispensing medications. And so um, what it was nice about that was I got to see a lot of different patients different patient populations. Um, and as a first job, I think that was nice because I really got to figure out what I was really interested in um, and not um, just maybe settling on one thing. It gave me an opportunity to kind of see a lot of different things.
0: So that's really interesting. So tell me a little bit more about what kind of got you interested, especially in the pediatric patient population, right? Because that's a very unique population, um, you know, and, and so sometimes your pediatric patients can't talk to you. Uh, and so that makes it really hard. Uh, It just kind of depends on which area of pediatrics you're kind of in. What was it about that population that got you interested? I
2: think, um, it's twofold for me. Um, it dealt with a lot of the communication. I enjoyed counseling patients. I enjoyed that aspect of my job. And so in pediatrics, you get to not only kind of explain thing to explain things, medical things, medications to a child. So kind of being creative and how you're going to explain that to them, but you also get to do the counseling with their caregivers, parents, um, and people of that, that kind of nature. So I enjoyed that aspect. I enjoyed, you know, interacting with them, um, Kids are super resilient. Um, often, you know, you think it's a really sad place, but kids tend to overcome things really easily or um, tend to beat a lot of odds that you never thought that they would. Um, and so that's really rewarding. Um, and then the second part is I liked the challenge of pediatrics. Um, if anyone has ever worked with kids, especially in healthcare, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. There's not a lot of literature out there to kind of show you and guide you to what you should be doing. Um, we use different kind of dosing of medications which can be different you may sometimes we have to even use different dosage forms so you know we think of as an adult would need to take a pill form of a medication while a baby may not be able to take that so how can I get them this medication safely and that they'll actually take it so um, it's a lot of thinking um, and thinking outside of the box to come up with how you're going to treat these patients so I like that challenge
1: yeah that's interesting it keeps it interesting yes absolutely <laughs> keep showing your toes yes so we mentioned that your current role is pediatrics to specialty areas, but also solid organ transplant. And I'm imagining that your typical day or your typical week probably looks different than most pediatric pharmacists. So if you could please tell us, you know, a little bit about what a general pediatric pharmacist may do, and then maybe how your role is a little bit different with the solid organ transplant.
2: Yeah, so I think um, maybe a a typical pharmacist that maybe works in pediatrics, especially in the hospital, they are going to be, um, maybe have a consistent team that they're rounding with and kind of a consistent patient population. So, so, for instance, say you are you were rounding with the general pediatrics team, you would be rounding with kind of the same team every day and seeing very similar disease states where my job is a little bit different is I round on lots of different teams. So that's, there's a lot of juggling with that. But in addition, um, I, most of our surgeons are um, adult surgeons who are coming over to do the surgery on the pediatric patient. So I end up being a little bit of a liaison between kind of the adult and the pediatric side. So they'll kind of tell me, Oh, Hey, in an adult patient, we might do X, Y, and Z. We might, you know. offer them this kind of therapy, what is the equivalent in pediatrics? So I kind of have to know a little bit about the adult literature, kind of what is, is used in adults, and then also know um, kind of how I could translate that into the pediatric side. And so that kind of can be, of course, challenging at times. um, But luckily you see the same things kind of come up over and over and over again. So um, what I like about it is I tend to be the most consistent person on the team. I round on them, um, which is basically kind of how we assess the patient every day. So I do that um, from the time that they're in the ICU before they're even transplanted to all the way to after. And then sometimes I even see them in clinic. So I tend to be the person who maybe has um, developed a longer relationship with them than some of the healthcare teams.
1: I think we see that a lot with pharmacists, especially in the hospital setting. Yeah, I've, I've definitely experienced that myself. And it is a nice role to fill. It's very rewarding. You can help with the transition from team to team.
2: Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I wouldn't trade it. I, cause I think I get to do a little bit of a little bit of everything, right? I get my critical care. So the ICU, I get some of my am care, you know, so it's, it's nice for a pharmacist to be able to do kind of all those different things in one job.
0: That's awesome. So my, my follow-up question here is just for our listeners who might not be familiar with like solid organ transplant, yeah. right? So as a pharmacist who focuses on solid organ transplant, what, what kinds of medicines are we dealing with, right? And we're not talking drug classes here, but in general, what's the purpose of those medications? Why do they need a pharmacist to manage those medications?
2: Yeah. So um, first I'll say medications are probably one of the, if not the most important part when someone gets a new organ and I'm going to explain it to everyone the way that I explain it to my patients and their families um, on kind of medications and their role in transplant. So I tell all of them that our bodies like our own country um, and we have all these little army men that are constantly fighting infections, right? There's yucky stuff everywhere that we touch. Um, but when we get a new organ, the body wants to fight that because they think it's a it's a foreign invader, right? It's someone that they need to attack. So we use medications to blindfold those army men so that they don't recognize the new organ and want to fight against it. So those are medications that we call immunosuppressants and they basically prevent rejection or fighting off the new organ. But when we do that, of course, these army men also are supposed to fight infections too, right? That we come in contact with. So unfortunately, when we do that, um, we are more prone to be being, um, to getting infections. And so we have things we can do, of course, to prevent that. Vaccines is a huge one. And then the other is we give medications used to prevent um, infections and we call that prophylaxis. So it's kind of a two pronged approach to medication therapy, one to prevent rejection and kind of prevent um, them from fighting the new organ. And then one to prevent, unfortunately, infections that may happen. I like that explanation
0: a lot. So, so do I. I love analogies, and I think that that was a perfect analogy for it. So that, hey, I that do was this
1: awesome. a lot. <laughs> we can tell. We can tell that was that was good because I don't I don't know if we told you ahead of time that we may ask that question. So that could have been a really hard thing to explain no, for everyone to understand.
2: Ready to go. And and that's a you know I think especially when we're dealing with solid organ transplant in pediatrics, these are going to be lifelong medications that this patient um, is going to have to take, and so it is important to get the kid involved really early on in medications knowing their medications, what they're on, why they're on it. Um, because eventually that kid is going to hopefully grow up, go to college, have a job, and they're going to need to know that they need to take these as well. And they're not going to have a parent around anymore that's going to be doing that. So understanding from an early age is really
0: important. Um, so kind of going off of that. Uh, so what are some of the the biggest rewards or advantages uh, that you've experienced working in your area of pharmacy? And then I'll, afterwards, I'll probably ask you the opposite as well.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think um, I might be. You to your question a little bit. So I think, you know, the pros to having the job is you get to see such amazing stories, right? You may have a kid, um, like I had a patient that was on no medications, all of a sudden got acute liver failure, needed a new liver. We don't really even know why. Um, and kind of to see that quick, we were able to transplant him in two days. So just such a quick turnaround or someone who is so sick, needed something and being able to see a good outcome and see them go home, you know, back to kind of their, their baseline, their normal behavior. Um, um, that's extremely rewarding. Um, I like being the consistent person on the team. I like getting that relationship with the patients. I have patients that I have seen that I transplanted my first year, and now they're back in clinic and, and seeing them grow and talk about school and things like that. That's always really fun. Um, I think the flip side, though, of course, is you know you want to believe that everyone's going to have a good outcome, um, and that just doesn't always happen. I would say um, I am very fortunate. We have excellent outcomes at, <laughs> at Cleveland Clinic, um, and so you know, but there's always just some things that are out of our control, especially with people who are as sick as that. So that's always hard to see. It's always hard to see a kid in the hospital, especially if they're waiting for a really long time, that can be challenging because there's not much more you can do. Um, but, you know, I think I love the team that I work with and I love seeing us all kind of come together, solve problems together, and then of course, be able to discharge our patient safely.
0: Yeah. That, that sounds awesome again. And, and I think, uh, the, the rewarding part of that is, is really great, but you also have to have, you know, the, kind of that thick enough skin to be able to deal with the, the opposite side where it might not be the best outcomes too.
2: Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, um, a lot of times pediatric pharmacists get this kind of stigma or people think that they are really, um, maybe soft and and really kind hearted. And I would say we, of course, are kind hearted people, but um, I would hope most pharmacists are. Um, but I think it does take a special person to be able to see kids that are sick sometimes. Right. And sometimes we end up having tougher skin maybe than other people because we unfortunately have to see some, some tough scenarios. Um, but um, it's, I think, doubly rewarding um, in the pediatric side when you see them get to go home and, and do so well.
1: When I think about solid organ transplant, I'll have to tell you that the first thing that comes to my mind is the medication regimens can be complicated. There can be a lot of medications that someone has to take. There can be a lot of side effects, things that we don't want from the medication that could happen that we have to try to balance the the good and the bad. So how do you stay up to date with everything? And if someone were to go into this field, what can they expect in terms of keeping up to date and continuing education requirements?
2: So um, I, I at the Um, At the Cleveland Clinic, every institution is a little bit different with um, transplant pharmacists and kind of requirements. Um, We have a kind of a regulatory body who accredits places so that they can do transplant, right? You want to get a transplant at a, at a good institution that's supposed to be doing transplants. Um, and so, um, at the Cleveland clinic specifically, we have to have 10 continuing education hours a year specifically to transplant. So that basically means I need to attend 10 hours of education every year that is geared towards transplant so that I can kind of stay on top of my field. So we are lucky. We have a lot of continuing education opportunities and kind of just education sessions in general. Um, kind of, um, at the Cleveland clinic, there's nine transplant pharmacists. At the Cleveland Clinic, oh my so gosh. yeah, so we're I'm really lucky to be part of such a like an amazing group, and we kind of all help each other. Um, I think the most important part is to know your resources, and I would say that that's just a kind of a global recommendation, right? So I have all these other people that I work with, um, and they more mainly specialize in one organ. So if you know, we're always constantly sending each other articles. Oh, hey, this is a new liver transplant article that came out. This is a new kidney transplant article. We also do quarterly transplant journal clubs, so where we kind of evaluate Evaluate the literature a little bit more closely and kind of focus on new things that have come out um, kind of in that time frame, which also helps. Um, of course, I've subscribed to like most of the pediatric journals. You can set up email alerts where they'll email you kind of the new articles. So I look through that. Um, and then I use my students a lot to help me. So, um, you know, they either do maybe a case presentation or um, a journal club when they come um, on rotations, which is basically kind of a block of time where they come and study with me. Um, and that also helps me because we focus on new things that have come out and weird cases that we've seen, so that we can kind of talk through it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's really helpful, I think, um, with that. Keep you on your toes, hundred percent, right? As and I think clearly, <laughs> you guys are both educators, and so I think um, it it helps you because they always ask questions. And I think what's important too is when you take a student, is there are things that they'll ask me to this day that I'm like, I have no idea, but let's find out. Where would we go? How would we find that out? Um, and I think that's okay too. I mean, like it is. definitely 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 okay to say, I don't know to a question and then find out an answer.
0: Uh, You know what? And I always tell our students um, that, you know, my role isn't to teach you what to think. It's to teach you how to think and how to go about finding answers. Uh, so I think that's really great that, you know, you kind of do that with your students as well.
1: You're never going to know everything that you, yeah. So it's just knowing the process, knowing where to find things, how to approach the situation. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think it's also just, you know, you talked about, you know, you you teach communication, right? And it's, it's explaining that to your team, right, too. Like there's times on rounds when I'm rounding with my providers that I don't know the answer. And it's, but I'm going to find you an answer. I'm going to, and I'm going to get back to you and kind of closing that loop. And that's also just a skill. I feel like, you know, that we, I try and teach is kind of how, what that looks like, because again, you're not going to know everything always. So good advice. <laughs> I'm full of wisdom. I'm <laughs> just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you sure are though. I think it's awesome. So how can someone best prepare for a job uh, in this area of pharmacy?
2: So I get asked this question a lot, especially as a residency program director, people want to know the exact path that I took. They think that maybe was the only way way. And and I am quick to tell them there are so many different ways to get different places. I never thought that I was going to be a solid organ transplant pharmacist. Didn't think that was going to be in my realm. Um, So I think the biggest thing is um, if you are interested in kind of an area and this, I'll just, this is a global recommendation first. Um, So say you're interested in pediatrics, try and get an appy rotation in pediatrics. And I know that that can be really hard. So appy rotations are the ones that happen in your fourth year of pharmacy school. Um, They're kind of of, um, shadowing rotation opportunities to kind of expose you to a lot of different areas of pharmacy, kind of see where you think you fit. Um, and so, you know, I always say try and get a, a rotation in one of those areas. And that's not always possible. I know scheduling can be very difficult. If that's not possible, see if you can shadow someone in one of those um, areas. I know I'm always willing to take um, students who would like to shadow me. A lot of my colleagues are as well. Um, and just really see if that's where you would like to be. Then the next question I get for pediatrics is should I do a, a first year? So, that training right after pharmacy school in pediatrics is that important? And I say no there, I don't, a PGY one, which is the first year of residency in pediatrics is great, but a PGY one first year residency in just kind of general pharmacy is also fantastic. That's what I did. Um, especially if you're on the fence about where you want to go. Um, what's also nice about, um, kind of the first year residency is it's kind of teaching you those skills again, how to be a pharmacist, how the, ph- the maybe the hospital runs or your community pharmacy runs, you know, it's not necessarily supposed to teach you that, you know, a, everything you need to know about a certain patient population in that first year. Um, Then for your second, there's kind of, if you were looking to be a solid organ transplant pharmacist, there's two routes you can go. The first is to do a second year residency specialized in pediatrics. And this other option is to do a second year residency in solid organ transplant. So those also exist. There's not as many of them maybe as pediatrics, but several of those out out there. Um, And then really from there, that's kind of how you could maybe tackle this job. Um, Institutions will decide if they kind of want to, pediatrics trained person to do the job, or if they would like a solid organ transplant person to do a solid organ transplant job. And some institutions you could get maybe the best of both worlds if you were a little bit undecided and end up treating both patient populations right so maybe you go to an institution who does liver transplant and they may do kids and adults your job may be to do kids and adults and so um, you can maybe have the best of both worlds and treat both both patient populations in that route i think it's really being open um, i think i'm a huge proponent of finding a mentor so and mentors change right as we get older and we we start to want different things in our life and so if there's a certain career path that you want especially in pharmacy or whatever career you're thinking of, um, find a mentor kind of in that area and bounce these ideas of I'm thinking about doing this kind of training or this kind of training or this rotation, um, and they will be able to help you and kind of see the pros and cons that maybe you didn't see before.
1: Yeah, I think that's important because even that search process and finding the right program for you, that could be tricky. So a mentor could show you a great pediatric residency that perhaps has a rotation in solid organ transplant. So knowing where to look, how to find that, it's not always the easiest thing
2: in the world, right? Yeah. But I mean, and I think we think of mentors that you need, you need to like physically be there with them with this whole virtual era. I don't know that that is even a thing anymore. Right. Um, and so I know that I, you know, I went to Auburn, which is in Alabama for my schooling and I've been contacted by several students from there. Right. Cause I was an alumni. And so, you know, I may live in Cleveland, but we can still talk over kind of career options and places to go, um, virtually through that. And so you can still get that mentorship, even if you're not maybe super close.
1: It's much easier now than it used to be. That's a, good point. Yeah, people forget about that. Yeah, that's a good point. So I like to ask because I'm picturing the students that are listening, maybe the current students, and they're thinking, you know, this is interesting. I kind of like what she's saying.
2: So what kind of student do you think would do well? in a career like yours? Um, I think my number one thing that I look for is flexibility. <laughs> um, because in my job, I am rounding with a lot of different teams. I always tell my students, I, I run around, I may look very composed, but I run around like a chick with my head cut off most of the day. Um, and it's a lot of flexibility on who I'm going to round with that day and kind of what my day is going to look like. And I may not hit every patient every day. I may not be able to physically lay eyes on every single patient that I see every day. Um, and so it takes a special person. I think pharmacists tend to be very type A. And I'm, I'm very type A in a lot of my job, but for this, I think in order to excel kind of in mine is, is to be very flexible. My day is never going to be the same. It's always going to be different. And so I think having that skill, and if you're one of those people that you need to come in and you need to do the same thing every day, then this probably wouldn't be the career for you. But if you're the kind of person who likes to not exactly know what you're going to get, what questions you're going to get asked, what patients you may see that day, um, then you might do well in this kind of career.
1: Okay. Yeah. That, that's good to know. Are there any other students that that you think maybe would not enjoy this type of career, or is it primarily the flexibility issue?
2: I would say flexibility. Um, I think people who maybe, and I think this is a skill. This is something I commonly see from students and residents that I think we get better at as we get you know more practiced. Is um, people who want black and white answers mm-hmm. um, that probably would go globally to pediatrics. There's like I said earlier, there there's a lot, not a lot of literature out there to support a lot of the things that we do, and that can be frustrating to people. They want that guideline. They want that. Exam- exact recommendation. This is the blood pressure goal. This is, you know, the medication we would use to treat. And that really doesn't happen all the time. And so I think, um, I think for them, like if you are really like, you really liked black and white, you really liked data driven, um, recommendations. And of course I use those as much as I can, but just may not always happen. And if that was kind of yours, then maybe you, you might want to steer towards something other than just pediatrics in general. Okay. (laughs) That's good advice too. I try, but I always say I like, you know, I get a lot of students. I get a lot of residents who have number one, never taken a pediatrics rotation before and two have never taken solid organ transplant. And they look at me the first day and they're like, I'm doing what? And I'm like, I promise, like if you have a good attitude and that's probably another thing I would look for in a student, if you have a good attitude, I can teach you anything. I don't want to sound like, you know. Really bold. But, you know, if you have a good attitude, you're willing to put in the work. I can teach you pediatrics. I can teach you solid organ transplant. What I can't do is if you have a bad attitude and you don't want to learn. Um, and so I think that that's just another thing. Like, be open to it, see what happens.
0: And there's definitely a transition process from students, you know, from student to practitioner, right? So as a student, yes, you might want, you know, tell me what's on the exam. Tell me what I need to know for the exam, black and white. Tell me this, tell me that, right? But as you, after you graduate and, and maybe do your residency and, and you become a practitioner, you start to like the, the, uh, thinking outside of the box, right? The challenges. Exactly. Something
1: a little different that you haven't seen before.
0: So even as a student, you might think, no, no, I just give me the direct answer, but you know what, later on that might change. So
1: After you get
0: comfortable,
2: it takes a while to get comfortable. And I think, you know, I'm sure you guys have taken students on rotation and I I get this a lot. Like they'll ask me a question and then I ask them 15 more questions (laughs) back. Right. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't. And I'm like, these are all the things, you know, that's what I'm trying to do on, on these rotations in pharmacy school and in residency. I'm trying to teach you kind of my thought process. And then you're going to go to another rotation and you're going to learn that preceptor, which is the teacher's, you know, thought process. And then eventually what what we hope you will do is you will come out of all of this training that you've done, you know, four years of pharmacy school, two years maybe of residency, if that's your kind of chosen route. And you're going to figure out what thought process works the best for you. And it's kind of going to be a meld mm-hmm. of all of these different people that you've learned from and kind of what works for you to be able to answer those questions.
1: Yeah, a good preceptor will tell you exactly what's going on inside their head. And then eventually let you do that so that they can hear what's going on inside your head and
0: to the how to think, not what to think. Right. Excellent. So uh, looking back on your career path so far, so what would you say has probably been the most rewarding part about the path you've taken so far?
2: Um, So I think I kind of hit on this first, you know, I love seeing my patients. um, And so I think that that's really rewarding from just like a, you know, patient care aspect. Um, But then on the flip side, I love seeing all the students and the residents that I have, um, interacted with and had the privilege of teaching and kind of guiding. Um, I think when you're a residency program director, like I am, which is basically being in charge of one of the residency programs, um, you kind of think of them like you're a little bit like their mom. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so being able to see them, you know, graduate from your program successfully. And then I'm really lucky, you know, I have a resident that stayed on last year. And when I watch her work and being able to do it independently, it's, it's super rewarding because you're like, Oh, I helped, I helped mold that and look at her, look at her go. Right. Um, and so I, I think I enjoy that a lot. Um, and then I just love the, the whole team that I work with. I love the, the dynamic of the healthcare team. I love all the pharmacists that I work with. I love the surgeons that I work with. I love the, you know, PAs and NPs, um, which are kind of our, the physician's assistants and nurse practitioners that I work with and the nurses. And I just, like, it's so rewarding when you are at a place for a while and you kind of develop those relationships and you get to, um, you know, joke around with each other. And then you guys get to celebrate all of your victories together, which I think is special.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Another great example of teamwork, right? We we've touched on it in previous episodes. And so another example over and over again, yes I think yes. Also, I think, yes pharmacies are a huge part of the, the patient care team. Um, so, so one more question for me is, so looking back on your career path, is there anything that you would have done differently to maybe make it easier for you to get to where you are today?
2: Um, I don't know. I, I think I was a little bit fixated on, um, retail pharmacy early on. Um, and you know, I had an internship with one of the kind of pharmacy chains. Um, and I think I, I maybe thought, okay, I'm, I'm content with this decision. I like doing this and that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, you're seeing it, um, that when I was looking at my kind of P4 rotation, so my last year rotations, I think I geared towards maybe a little bit on the, maybe the easier side. Maybe I didn't push myself as much as I could have. Um, and honestly it, it worked out the way that it was supposed to, but as residencies and these trainings become more and more competitive, I could see where if a person was in maybe my same situation right now, they maybe wouldn't have, um, they maybe wouldn't be doing as well, or maybe get a, get a residency program. So I think, you know, always see everything out there, take as many rotations as you can be diverse in your experiences. Um, I think that's going to be helpful because you could be like me and you could think you're going one way and then end up going another. And so I think that might be the one thing. I mean, it all worked out for me. I I'm very lucky to be where I am, but um, just kind of looking at where things are now. That's probably the one thing I would have changed.
1: It's almost thinking a couple steps ahead or, or at least considering those possibilities and making sure you're prepared no matter what direction you decide yeah. to go in. Yeah. Yep.
2: And I, you know, I, I it never hurt hurts either, right? Like, so even if you are going to go into retail pharmacy and you are going to go work for one of, you know, one of the independent or community pharmacies that are out there, you know, you're going to be seeing patients who are maybe discharged with some of these medications. So having that background is never going to hurt you. It's never going to be a a negative for that experience. And so I think, you know, maybe if I had pushed myself a little bit, it would have maybe made my PGY1 a little bit easier. Um, But I think, you know, again, going back to approaching something with a good attitude, right. And, and just working hard. Well, thank you
1: so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing a lot about your career path and your current role. I like to end with a question related to career exploration since that's the type of podcast this is. And what's your best career exploration advice or tip for the prospective or the current students that are listening?
2: So I think if you are, you know, I'll kind of speak to every single group, right? So I think if you're in high school um, and maybe you're looking at kind of what careers are out there, um, see if you can shadow. I think shadowing is going to be kind of a global theme with what I'm about to say. Um, but see if you can shadow. I ended up working. I got introduced into pharmacy when I um, got a summer hire job. My dad was in the military on a military base in a military pharmacy, and I had never thought about that. Um, once you're in college, I don't know if other institutions or colleges do this, but Auburn had a class where it was um, like a one-hour credit your freshman year where you could see all the different healthcare professions. So I knew I was going to kind of want to go into healthcare, see if your university offers something like that where you can kind of get exposed to what would it look like to be a dentist? What would it look like to be a physician's assistant? What would it look like to be a pharmacist? Um, I even think we had people come in from like chiropractic places, you know, so see if you can do that. If not, again, shadowing I think is a great opportunity. And then when you're, if you are pursuing pharmacy and that's kind of where you want to go, I think shadowing, trying to get those rotations in as much of a diverse place as possible. And then also try and see if you can get a job. (laughs) I think that internships, um, during, you know, college, pharmacy school, they're super important and they're really going to guide you to, um, do you like this? Is this the kind of thing you want to be doing? And so I think that getting that kind of practical experience will only help you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's a great way to rule things in or rule things out, right? right so you right. might not love every shadowing experience. You might not love every experience that you have, but it's a great way to at least think, okay, this is not for me. This is definitely not what I want to yeah. do. Um,
2: I, have, I have several students who said they knew that they didn't want to be maybe a physician when they went and shadowed someone in the operating room and they passed out. <laughs> so, you know, it would be good to know that's a good sign early that that's on, not- right? Before you make that decision that maybe you can't tolerate the sight of blood or, you know. Right. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I think that that. That's, that's definitely key. So,
0: yeah. Well, and, and the great news, so I'm glad that you, you mentioned that. And the great news is that we do offer a pharmacist shadowing program here through Neomed. So neomed.edu slash pharmacy. Go down to pre-pharmacy and you could uh, sign up for a shadowing opportunity. So Love that plug. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. That's I like awesome. how you
2: worked that in I know. I loved it. It was very, very organic. Very professional. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Perfect. All right. Uh, so thank you again so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. I know I learned a lot. I about, learned a lot too. Right. Like I, I didn't even Know, and I always tell students I didn't even know that solid organ transplant pharmacy was a thing. Yes, but that's so awesome. Yeah,
2: and uh, you know uh, we we're not a large group, but um, but we are mighty
0: yeah. and very necessary. Sure. And yes, yes, yes. very necessary for sure. Awesome, Doctor Hoover. Again, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and to all our listeners out there, we hope that you learned as much or more than Doctor Longshot and I have learned uh, as well. So uh, hopefully, we'll catch you next time on the next episode. Thank Thanks. you so
1: much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Northeast Ohio Medical University College of Pharmacy's Career Exploration Podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. If you like what you heard in this episode, please be sure to tune in to our next episode. Remember to check out our social media pages at NeomedCOP to submit questions for our upcoming guests. If you would like to learn more about Neomed's College of Pharmacy, we would love to talk to you. Visit www.neomed.edu pharmacy and click on pre-pharmacy to learn more or to check out the show notes for today's episode.